0: Hello, and welcome to Season 13 of the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be back with you all. We just want to thank all of our listeners for giving our staff a two-month break to enjoy their summers and plan some fun new things for this season of the podcast. Personally, I was able to take two vacations, which was much needed, Uh, and I spent a lot of time outside gardening, reading, and just relaxing. We also had some big changes in our group the last few months. We're all back to working full-time in our office, Um, so after working from home for two years, I can say it's very nice to be back with my coworkers, and we just feel much more energized and creative together. And we also had two members of our staff retire. So, one of those people was Jody, the editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, who you also heard frequently on this podcast. Uh, So we're so excited for her to enjoy her retirement, and we're also excited to announce that Doris, the editor of Quilt Sampler magazine, is taking over as editor for APQ. So the past few months have been really busy and full of changes here. But I'm really excited to be back with our podcast. Um, Our listeners are my quilty friends, and I've missed chatting with each of you um, throughout the week and getting your emails, so I'm I'm excited to be here. So we're especially happy for this season of the podcast. Like Some people may think 13 is an unlucky number, uh, but I am convinced that this season will be the best yet. Now, we love switching things up each season. So, we of course were keeping all the things you loved about the show the interviews, the sewing tips, the product reviews, organization ideas. Uh, But we're also adding a bunch of new segments, including handwork happiness, a segment which will share tips for all types of handwork, Um, a hit the road segment where we address how to incorporate sewing into your life outside of your sewing room and something I'm calling Lindsay's Musings, where I pull our readers on a hot-button topic and then talk about it. So you'll hear that segment today. So let's dive right into this episode. Today we're talking about creative burnout. Creative burnout has been on my mind for a long time. I've heard people mention it over the years, but especially the past few years with the pandemic, I think that extra stress was causing a lot more people to feel that creative burnout. And that's hard because many of us use quilting and our other hobbies as a way to disconnect from the world, relieve stress, and tune into something that brings us joy. First, let's talk about what creative burnout is and how you might know you're experiencing it. The term burnout was coined in 1974 by American psychologist Herbert Freudenberger. It refers to a psychological reaction to excessive stress over a prolonged period of time, which affects both physical and mental health. Specifically, creative burnout is the feeling that you've drained all of your creativity and there's nothing left. You feel like you don't have the ability to create something for yourself or the world anymore. Anyone can experience creative burnout, but it's much more prevalent in those who do creative work often, such as quilters, artists, or writers. Many makers can think back to a feeling when they had a flow going. It's kind of almost a magical time where you're excited to start and finish projects. You have lots of ideas for designs and color combinations. You have energy to create and sew and make gifts and work through hard or frustrating parts of the process and you may even lose track of time in your sewing room because you're so in the zone that nothing else matters. Creative burnout takes that flow and that excitement of your craft away. So here are some common signs you're experiencing creative burnout. You're procrastinating. You may start projects and then never finish them, so your to-do list or your UFO list is just getting longer and longer. Or you may ignore deadlines, such as those for holidays or gifts, until the very last minute. You're struggling to do simple tasks. You may not feel like you have the mental energy to do basic tasks, such as ironing fabric, chain piecing units, or even changing your machine needle. Every small task seems like a mountain to climb. You're finding that sewing causes tiredness or stress instead of filling you up. So if a trip to your sewing room isn't enjoyable and it feels more like a chore than a relaxing way to spend your time, you may be experiencing creative burnout. You are doubting yourself or comparing yourself to others. You may start using negative self-talk while sewing, saying things such as, I'll never be good at this, this is ugly, I'm wasting my time. You may also start comparing yourself to other quilters in your life, wondering why you can't be more like them. You choose the TV or phone over time in your sewing room. So, a classic sign of burnout is consuming more than you're creating. So, we feel like we just don't have the energy to create anything. So, we turn to things like scrolling through social media for hours or binge watching TV shows to fill our time. All your designs start to feel the same. You may start choosing the same color palette over and over again, or the same quilt block because your brain isn't feeling creative enough to expand or think of new designs. And lastly, you feel tired or irritable in everyday life. Creativity and time in your sewing room is an important part of feeling fulfilled, energized, and like you're making a difference in your life and the lives of others. So when you're not getting that gratification in one area of your life, it spills over to others and can cause you to feel tired or irritable with others. Do any of these symptoms of creative burnout sound familiar? I've definitely experienced these on occasion and know how much it affects my mental health and even my productivity in my sewing room. But there are some easy ways you can get back on track take a break. One of the best things you can do for yourself is step away from sewing for a while. It may be just a weekend, it may be a few weeks, it may be longer, but forcing yourself to continue sewing when you're experiencing burnout will only cause deeper burnout. I've known some quilters who've taken six months away from sewing and have come back feeling that deep calling to quilting and that community more than ever. I've also heard of people stepping away to clear their heads, and um, they felt a longing to sew after just a few days. So allow yourself to take a break and listen to your mind and body about when it's ready to come back. Say no part of feeling burnout can be caused by taking on too many projects, especially those that are for other people or things we're not really feeling passionate about. So say no to taking on commissions. Say no to making handmade gifts for the holidays. Say no to the newest quilt along that everyone else is doing. Say no to hemming the pants of your friend's neighbor's daughter. You get what I'm saying, right? So a place of creative burnout is not the time to take on a lot more projects. It's a time to rediscover things you love and projects you're excited about. Go to creative places. So take time to find inspiration in your life. You can visit an art museum, a botanical garden, a music festival. Take daily walks through nature. Spend the mornings sitting in a coffee shop and people watching. There is inspiration all around us, so take time to explore and take it all in without any thoughts of how it will translate to your quilting. Make a list of past accomplishments. So Sometimes a creative burnout manifests itself as doubt in yourself and your talents. So take time to write down things you're proud of in your quilting life. It can be big things like winning first place at the state fair or the quilting show. Or maybe it's how many quilts you've donated to charity over the years. Or a hard quilt you finally finished. It can be small things too, such as a color palette or design you're particularly proud of or a decor item you made for your home that's had a lot of use and love. Write down anything that makes you feel accomplished and proud. And if that doesn't work, you can also try fishing for compliments. So if you're having a hard time coming up with things you're good at or proud of, ask your friends. Explain to them how you're feeling and let them know it would really boost your spirits to hear a few things they admire about you and your quilts or you can even post some photos on social media and let the compliments about your quilt just come in and don't brush them off or ignore them. Really soak up the nice words people are saying and just take them to heart. You can be a beginner. So, especially if you've been quilting a long time, you may have tried everything and feel like you've done everything and that can leave you feeling uninspired or stuck creatively. So try to harness that beginner feeling you had when you first started quilting. That feeling lets us throw perfectionism to the side and allows us to experiment without the pressure of producing an amazing project. So maybe there's a technique in quilting you've always wanted to learn, such as foundation paper piecing, improv piecing, or working with wool. You can buy a little kit or take a class to try them out. Or if there's nothing in the quilting world you haven't already tried, venture out to a new skill. It can still be crafty, such as knitting or painting, uh, but it can also be cooking, gardening, learning a new language, uh, playing a musical instrument. You don't have to be good at it, and you don't have to keep it up for too long if you don't want. But sometimes the act of trying something new can help us get out of a rut. Find a purpose. So think back to why you started sewing. Was it for a specific reason? Was it to connect with others and make friends? Uh, To donate to a charity near and dear to your heart? Maybe it was to make a quilt for a new baby? Or to make decor or clothing that matches your unique taste and style? Some of us lose purpose along our journeys and Reconnecting with that reason why can be helpful in finding our passion again. And if you just started quilting for fun, finding a reason to quilt is a great motivator. Clean your space. Uh, I've said it before on this podcast and I will say it again. It is hard to be creative and have our minds feel free when we're dealing with clutter and mess in our sewing spaces. So if you're not feeling creative, take time in your room to get organized, clean, sort, and even donate items. So for me, touching things in my sewing room and deciding whether they should stay or go always ignites a desire in me and reminds me why I love fabric and projects in the first place. And even if you're not feeling like sewing after cleaning your space, at least it will be inviting and ready for you whenever you come back. And lastly, do what you can to reduce the stress in your life. Get enough sleep, drink lots of water, connect with family and friends, take vacation days from your job, talk to a therapist, eat healthy and exercise. I personally love journaling and meditating. So taking care of yourself will allow your body and mind to go from preservation mode to a more relaxed and creative life and one that's filled with more joy instead of stress and anxiety. So I hope these tips help anyone who's experiencing creative burnout. We've all been there, and it's a hard thing to go through. If anyone ever needs to talk about it or wants to share their story, you know you can always email me at apqpodcast@meredith.com. at meredith.com. I am here for all of our listeners. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, I'm musing about pre-washing fabric and sharing some listener tips. Welcome back. Now it's time for a new segment called Lindsay's Musings, where I poll my Instagram followers on a hot button quilting topic and share my thoughts. For this first poll, I asked, do you pre-wash your fabrics? So 120 people voted in the poll, and here are the results. 14% of people said yes, they always pre-wash fabrics. 59% said no, they never pre-wash. And 27% said it depends. So a little background from where I'm coming from. I never pre-wash fabrics. I've only had one quilt ever bleed Uh, when it was washed. And it was a dark blue fabric from a fabric company I had never used fabric from before um, and one I will never buy from again. (laughs) Uh, Otherwise, I've never had any problems. And almost 60% of people I polled had the same mindset as me. So I kind of chatted back and forth with all the people in Instagram Messenger. And the general consensus from the no pre-washers was that it is a waste of time, you have to deal with raveling fabric, you have to iron it before you can use it or store it, and kind of the last thing you want to do when you're starting a new quilt pattern that you're excited about is to delay it to do a load of laundry. And I do feel that deeply laundry is not the favorite thing on my to-do list, so I try my best to just save money by only washing when necessary, so pre-washing fabric to me does seem to be kind of like a dreadful extra step. Now, almost 30% of people said they pre-wash for certain fabrics, so they may always pre-wash reds, blues, or blacks to prevent any bleeding later in the quilting process. Uh, some people said that they mix and match fabrics in their quilts, such as flannels with cotton fabric, and they pre-wash to avoid uneven shrinking, and I do think that's a great idea. Um, I did just recently wash a flannel backing for a quilt I was working on uh, because it was a gift, and I didn't want it to shrink unevenly for the recipient and have them be worried about, you know, did they ruin their quilt? Uh, but for my personal quilts. I do actually like that extra crinkle I get when the flannel shrinks more than the cotton, so that is why I don't normally pre-wash. And then a very passionate, almost 15% of poll responders said that they always pre-wash fabric. And in my chat with them, the the pre-washers were the most vocal about their opinions, and I think it's because many of them have had really bad experiences with not pre-washing their fabrics and it really, it changed their mind about, you know, this whole, (laughs) this whole topic. So some people pointed out that they had ruined some quilts from bleeding fabric and it was a really devastating process for them. Um, some said that they were always taught to pre-wash when they started quilting and it's just a habit now. And one person had some insider info and told me that she's seen the manufacturing process of fabric, the storage in a warehouse, you know, in warehouses, the distribution, um, and she even worked in a quilt store and sa- saw how dirty the fabric really was. So she pointed out how how many dirty hands and floors the fabric has touched, and in some cases, even animal droppings or kind of moldy, icky conditions. So she pre-washes everything as soon as she brings it into her house to keep herself safe and healthy. Uh, That comment specifically really got to me and grossed me out, Um, but that same thing probably applies to most items I buy at the store, and I just don't need that level of anxiety about germs uh, on things I touch, so I'm kind of choosing to ignore that comment for now because I don't want to be paranoid, Uh, but it does make me want to commit to washing all my quilts as soon as they're done. So I do wash my quilts frequently, uh, but not always right away. Uh, but now I think I will wash them before we use them just to be safe. And I will make sure I'm washing my hands when I'm done quilting. Uh, cause I, you know, that's icky to me, but I don't think it changed my mind about pre-washing. <laughs> uh, but I would love to get more part- people participating in these polls and having these conversations. So if you don't already follow me on Instagram, search for me at linds mayland that's so that we can connect and you can share your opinion in future polls now it's time for listener tips where we share the genius sewing hacks our listeners email to us so we've had a few that were emailed to me right at the end of our last season so they have been patiently waiting months to be shared so this first tip is from Greg Coulson. He says, "On episode 552, you discussed options for basting quilts in a small space. Recently during a sales demo for a Bernina long arm, I bought it. <laughs> the long Armor said that many long armers will baste your quilt for a small fee. That's a pretty good deal for everyone, I think, especially if you don't have the space to lay out and baste the quilt in your home." So up until now, I've always laid out my tops and backing on an old sheet in my garage and spray basted. There is an iron-on fusible powder called Free Fuse, sold by Quilter Select. Alex Anderson has a YouTube video that demonstrates ironing it into your quilts by setting the ironing board next to your bed or table to hold the part not being ironed and basted. That's also handy for those with little space. Plus, no pins! Love that. Thanks for those suggestions, Greg. Um, I will take all the basting hacks people want to give me, anything that makes it easier and more pleasant. And congrats on buying a long arm. That's so exciting. This next tip is from Lizzie Watts. She says On episode 553, you asked for ideas for a listener who wrote in with the issue of gifting quilts how not to give the receiver too much control and then the quilter just becomes a production machine. I have a great tip which was passed on to me by my best quilting friend when I had a different problem regarding gifting quilts. I spent years giving away quilts that I worked so hard on and loved only to feel that the recipients didn't like or appreciate them. Maybe we didn't have the same taste or maybe they just don't like quilts. Here's the tip that will work for both situations make quilts that you love making. Then keep these unused in a pile in your house. When a loved one comes over and admires one, give it to them. If it's a special event, like a baby being born or a wedding, suggest that they can select one if they'd like, but only if they truly love it. This solves the problem. You get to make exactly what you want and then you don't have to worry about the recipient not loving it. This was truly a game changer for me great idea lizzie i love that the choice gets pushed back on the recipient to choose their favorite versus trying not to get too much input on an original quilt i have found that non-quilters when given control of a project such as you know choosing color or design feel a lot of pressure and don't always feel comfortable making those choices so you end up with input that's confusing when making them a quilt so This seems like the best solution to keep making quilts you love while being able to give them if the recipient likes one. This next tip is from Leslie. She says, I found wearing quilting gloves inconvenient because I frequently need to take them off. Now I simply lay a glove on the quilt near where I'm stitching, put my hand on the glove and guide the quilt. I can move the glove to where I need it and walk away without having to first remove a glove. I love that tip. That sounds like a great tip for people who get, uh, you know, maybe sweaty hands. That happens to me in the summer a lot. (laughs) And one last tip from Mia Caldwell. She says, my cutting table is a repurposed kitchen table that originally was too low for my needs. I found risers that have built in electrical outlets to put under the table's legs, making the table the right height. It also keeps multiple cords off the floor because I only need to use one cord from the wall outlet to a riser. All the other cords go from the riser to the table. Um, okay, that's an amazing tip. They, they really make everything now. Like, you can find anything you need on the internet. So I had no idea risers with outlets existed, and I'm so happy they do. Uh, the outlets in my sewing room are actually in pretty strange places, so I thought I was kind of stuck on my room arrangement, even though it's not the most convenient places for me to have my furniture laid out, but um, this tip has me rethinking things. <laughs> so if you have a tip to share, please email me at apqpodcast at I am just always in awe of the knowledge and the tips other quilters have. We're going to take one more quick ad break, but when we come back, we're sharing ideas for using toilet paper rolls in your sewing room, as well as hearing stories of quilters making a difference in their communities. Welcome back! It's time for Get Organized, a segment where we share storage tips for your sewing space. I may have gone off the deep end with this segment, but today I am sharing ways to use empty toilet paper or paper towel holders in your sewing room. So this idea came to me because over the winter I started saving toilet paper rolls as seed starters for the garden basically you fill them with dirt start a seed in each one as a way to start growing indoors and then you can transplant them outside and the roll will decompose so it worked pretty good in my opinion um, but i was left with quite a few toilet paper rolls that i'd saved so it really had me thinking of ways to use them so they make great cord wraps so you can accordion fold, your iron, or sewing machine cords, and then push them into a roll to keep things in place for storage or while traveling. You can also use them to corral rolls of fusible interfacing or stabilizers, um, especially if you haven't saved those plastic packaging that they come in. Um, The nice part about toilet paper rolls is that they're cardboard, so you can write directly on them to help label things, which I think is so helpful because many times I just automatically throw the plastic packaging away and then I am left with the roll that I'm like, what kind of fusible is this? Oh no, but you can just label the cardboard so it makes it really easy. You can also wrap things around the rolls so i do this often with my binding if i'm you know not sewing binding to the quilt right away i like how it keeps my binding neat and without any creases while it waits for the quilt to be finished i've heard that many quilters do this this is one of um, the frequent tips i get submitted through email so i know i'm not alone out there (laughs) you can also wrap things like ribbon rack or even embroidery floss around the rolls and you know you can secure them with a little piece of tape. Um, I think this is an interesting way to keep all of your floss for an embroidery project together and easy to transport. So you can just wrap multiple colors around the roll and then just add it to your project bag. If you want to get a little more complicated you can bunch some rolls together Um, with them all standing upright with the openings facing the top, and use them as dividers for smaller tools. For instance, you can put a bunch in a drawer or a small bin. Um, You can rubber band them or hot glue them together if they won't stand upright. And then you can use it to hold things like marking tools, scissors and rotary cutters, uh, bobbins, packs of needles, and more and you can cut them any size you need, um, and even stagger the sizes if you wanted to make something like for tiered storage. Uh, If you wanna get fancy, you could cover them with uh, decorative paper, you could uh, cover them with some basting spray with fabric around the outside. Um, You could even spray paint them uh, if you wanted to dress them up. So, uh, if you have any other trash to treasure storage hacks, please let me know. Uh, I think it could be fun to do a whole series of ways you can use, you know, basic everyday objects as storage. Now I'm handing the mic over to Allison, the designer of Quilts and More magazine, for Quilting Changes Everything. So, take it away, Allison.
1: Penelope Mahoney, a resident of the Bundaberg region in Australia, has been using her talents to sew turbans for cancer patients. As a cancer survivor herself, she knows just how much of a difference a handmade item can make. She has been using her talents to help others who are going through similar hardships and hair loss. She said, making these turbans is a way of helping out the community. If you see someone struggling, you help if you can. Penny learned about the need for turbans after attending a Cancer Council morning tea. She said, the people attending were talking about how during the summertime, turbans were much better to wear because wigs could get quite hot. They had one there that somebody had made, so I used that as my pattern and went from there. Penny has since made around 250 turbans to donate. It didn't take long for her to perfect her turban sewing skills. She can make roughly 4 in 20 minutes. Each turban is made with stretch fabric, so it can be tied up around the head. Penny spends most of her weekends sewing with the Bulbunda Hall Quilters Organization, which she founded in 2007. She wanted to create a place where people could come together and sew, whether they were experienced or wanted to learn a new skill. It's during these sewing weekends that she works on making more turbans. She's always looking for more material to keep her turban making going. So if you're interested in helping out, you can visit our show notes for details. This next story comes from a small group of quilters in La Grande, Oregon, making a difference worldwide. Women from the Girls' Night Out and Friends Sewing Group have been working diligently for the past few months, preparing 27 quilts to ship to England, where they'll be donated to Ukrainian refugees. These quilts are meant to serve not only as a reminder that people care about them, but they will help physically comfort them since many refugees arrived in England with little else than the clothes on their backs. We want them to know that a lot of people are thinking of them, said Bridget Naylor, a Girls' Night Out member. Bridget, along with about a dozen other members, have taken donated quilt tops and finish them with quilting and binding. Each quilt includes a heart patch made of yellow and blue fabric to signify the Ukrainian flag. The 27 quilts will be sent to the Corner Patch, an arts and crafts store in England. So far, the shop has received 100 quilts to donate to refugees. Members of the Girls' Night Out wanted to reach out to refugees in some way, but since they're separated by such a large distance, They decided that quilts were tangible items that they could share. Group members gather once a week to discuss their projects while the rest of the week they sew in their own homes. Bridget will hand deliver all 27 quilts to the corner patch since her husband is originally from the area and had planned to travel there anyway. She and other members know they will probably never meet the recipients but that doesn't necessarily matter. They're just happy to have the opportunity to brighten the lives of people who have gone through such a traumatic experience. Bridget said, Quilts bring comfort. We are hoping that these will ease their struggle.
0: Thanks, Allison. And that's it for today's show. As always, I want to remind you to let your friends know about our podcast and even leave a rating and review. It really helps us grow our podcast and form a great big community of quilters. And I wanted to read a review before we leave today. So, this one is from Sharon E.A. She says, This was the first time I listened to your podcast. I'm kind of new to the whole podcast world. I really enjoyed hearing so much wonderful advice and the tips and techniques I'll be using to make quilting easier and more accurate. I will also be listening to past podcasts and new ones as they come along. Thank you so much, Sharon. Uh, reviews like yours really make my whole week. So if this review is yours, please send me an email at apqpodcast at meredith.com. That email is listed in our show notes so that I can send you a little thank you gift. Everyone, I hope you have a great week and a very happy 4th of July if you're celebrating.